Christmas bird counts are the oldest citizen science project. There is oodles of data the volunteers must collect. Thank you for tuning in to Hannah and Eric Go Birding, a podcast by birders for birders. I'm Hannah, and he's Eric. And we created this podcast to share our adventures, sometimes misadventures, and opinions that we have on birding topics. We are definitely not experts, and anything we discuss that might be controversial, we want you to remember that there are our own opinions, and they might be different from yours. So. It's cold outside. It is chilly. Yeah. But, today, but not as cold as it is in some parts of the country. Yeah. Today, <laughs> the day we were recording, it was absolutely beautiful in our town. It was like 51 degrees yeah. and the beach was like sunny. It, it was nice and warm all day, but because it's a clear sky and everything, as soon as the sun went down, it's down to a balmy, like super chilly, crazy 40, 45. <laughs> and the Geminid <laughs> meteor shower was last weekend. And yeah. oh my gosh, there's so many stars and shooting stars. It was yeah, beautiful. It was awesome. I saw a whole bunch of shooting stars while driving down, or while driving down uh, to the Tillamook CBC. Yeah, tons of tons of shooting stars while while I was driving. So there had to have been so many more that I couldn't see because my eyes were not acclimated to the light. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. So Eric, what does this episode pair nicely with? Well, I think it pairs nicely with this Czech Pilsner from uh, Gateway Brewing. It's uh, called it's the their Park Rose, which is pretty good. It's a it's a general Czech Pilsner. If you're if you're familiar with Czech Pilsners, it's pretty uh, middle of the road. Nothing nothing too fancy about it, but it's good. I think it's a little weedy, which I like. It's, def- it's definitely a little bit weedy, yeah. Yeah, I like that. Wheat e. Not weed. Not weed. Wheat. It's it's legal, but we're not enjoying. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. So there. So, it's good. It's good. I like it. Yeah. Good. Um. All right. So we have a Facebook review from uh, Trish. Uh, what did she say? She said that our podcast is informed and informal discussion about birds and birding. I find this podcast more relatable than some other bird casts. Well, that's exciting. Yeah, yeah. thank you so yeah, much, Trish. Thank you, Trish. That's very nice. And we are definitely informal, but yet informed. I like that. <laughs> informed and informal. <laughs> it took me a few minutes of reading it to get the words right. <laughs> Well, informal. I mean, I can almost never wear pants. I have to wear shorts all the time. Very informal. I mean, it's 40 yep. degrees and I'm still wearing shorts. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, since our last episode, we've gotten two lifers. Count them. One, two. two. And which, my excitement, is that that brings me up to four ninety nine for the ABA. So, next uh, one is going to be number 500. Next ABA lifer is number 500. That's I awesome. I know. What do you think it'll be? I don't know. It'd probably be. It's probably going to be something down in San Diego, like a cal- like a Nettles uh, woodpecker. Probably Nettles woodpecker, or maybe the um, the California netcatcher. Maybe we'll see. Who knows? We'll see. Um, Southern so, California birds. So, anyways, the two birds are a rustic bunting and snow buntings. I guess the snow buntings were the first. Um, this yeah. is a bird that we like should have seen last the snow year. Snow buntings, yeah. I'm sorry. Did I, okay, snow yeah. buntings. These were birds that we probably should have seen last year. They're on the Oregon coast during the winter. Yeah, they're they're not they're not uncommon at all. They're they're here. A we lot. just we're too lazy to chase them, I guess. But we went down to Nahalem Bay State Park, which mm-hmm. is about twenty miles or twenty minutes or so south of us, and it's yeah. a really nice. State I think park. it's only like ten miles, but it's <laughs> it takes twenty minutes. To <laughs> it get takes there. twenty minutes to get there. Um, but it's a beautiful state park. We <laughs> 
we got to the point where people were seeing it and it was just like downpour the whole time and i was like in such a bad mood i was did not want to go any further <laughs> hannah doesn't like getting rain in the face I mean, Who likes getting most people probably face? don't, but I, I think Hannah especially doesn't like Wow, it. okay. <laughs> so anyways, I was getting rained on in the face, and it was windy <laughs> and chilly, and um, we walked like maybe a mile or so, and then I saw something like move around in the, um, off in the distance near a log, and I was like, okay, well, we'll just walk down that log. This is, this is my tolerance level, is we're going to walk down to that log. And if we don't see them, then we're just going to try a different day when it's not raining sideways. So we got down to the log and we saw some snowy plovers in the, the dunes. Yeah, they were they're, they're bedded. Not in the dunes. No, they were like in the, they're, the they're footprints. Dunes. <laughs> they're in footprints, but they're, they're dunes for the snowy plovers because they're so little. Oh, like, uh-huh. They're, they're little, they're footprints in the there sand. They're like little rises <laughs> where people had stepped and the, the sand shifted. Yeah. And so they're these little tiny divots and they're just like bedding down and. Like, just hanging out, waiting out the storm. It's hilarious. <laughs> and so we saw those first, and then we looked further in the distance, and we saw the snow buntings, and we yeah. chased those up and down the beach a little bit, so that was cool. Yeah, and then miraculously, the rain stopped for, like, five minutes or so. Yeah. And so I was able to get the camera out and try to take a p- couple distant shots um, of them, which I think we put on Facebook. I don't or maybe know. on Social Instagram. Media we put them somewhere. We put them on the internet. you got to follow us on all of our platforms. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, to get the whole the whole story, because I don't typically like do multiple or do the same thing on multiple pages. Yeah, we don't want to overload the same. If if someone follows us on multiple things, we don't want to post the same exact. We thing gotta get place. you different content. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So that was cool. And then there has been a rustic bunting being seen at Cape Disappointment, which is a state park just on the other side of uh, the Columbia River from Oregon. So, like, everything in Washington sounds bad. They have, like, Cape Disappointment and Dismal (laughs) Niche, so you better just stay in Oregon. I'm (laughs) sorry. (laughs) So, Cape Disappointment, we got out there. It's So, the rustic bunting, it's a a Code 3, which I think is only a Code 3, ABA Code 3 bird, because it's fairly um, annual up in Alaska. But it is not a common visitor down here, Washington, Oregon area. It's been seen as far south as California. I think they have one record in California. I think they have, there are like two or three. And, and then there's four. Before this year, I think there was four records for Washington. And it's not, not a super common bird at all. I, I, would, I would say it's probably a code four. But because it shows up on the Aleutians up in Alaska and everything, it's, it's, a, it's a lower code bird. So... But it, but it was super exciting. Yeah, and it was seen like December 3rd, um, I think was the date by a lady, and she posted it to eBird, and like nothing happened yeah, with n- it. Nobody went and looked for it, or maybe people didn't believe her. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. But it, I, I mean, the reporting, I don't know if you read it. Like, I, I didn't read the original. She posted a couple of pictures, and she was like, well, I saw this bird, and it seemed like a rustic, or it, like I went through everything, and uh, yeah, rustic bunting was pretty much the most, uh, most common thing. Yeah. It's like... What the heck? <laughs> like, <laughs> how do you come to the conclusion that it's that? I know. Yeah. Um, so then our local like super birder Mike, he posted about it on our local listserv, Oball Oregon Birders Online, and he was like, "Has anybody seen this?" <laughs> and so then I think he went out the next day, maybe, and found it. Yeah, he found it, but but he didn't he didn't end up going out until like three days after she was out there. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, it was like six days after she posted it that he noted, said something about oh, it. Oh, is that? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it was a ways after. So like a whole week after this bird was originally found is when people started <laughs> actually going and looking for it. So we went up and we got like super downpour rained on. Oh and my gosh. Again, we were like, oh rain my gosh. sideways the whole time. We're never going to find this bird. Like people were saying it was in like site 40 and then like site 90 or something. And this is all in a campground. And so we were kind of just going in between campsites, like trying to find it. It with this junko flock that it was with yeah and um we met audrey who i've seen on on facebook a ton of times and we were just kind of like sharing stories about you know the rustic bunting sightings and so she um we we're she was burning in one place and we were burning in another place and then she started like yelling like oh my gosh it's over here it's over here well it was it was like one thing she was like yep oh so she <laughs> yeah she just yep <laughs> from where she was at i i think she's i mean she might have said bunting or something but all i heard was yep and and then it's like oh and then, then she's like waving her arm and it's like oh she's got it over there yeah <laughs> which so we, we, we had actually been looking in that same exact spot it was that i knew it was gonna be right there yeah we we, we stood there for like maybe 20 minutes just standing and waiting i was and waiting using and waiting. the yurt as my blind yeah well because the yurt had a little overhang so you could hide out of the rain too oh my gosh but we were there for like 20 minutes and then we then we walk away and as soon as we walk away she walks over there and then it shows up right there yeah (laughs) jeez we're just bad luck yeah oh well so um those are those things and then i also want to give a shout out to the city that uh listened to us the most for the last episode (laughs) and like it was tied for a long time guys between seattle um i'm gonna pronounce this horribly Cheektowaga, New York, and then Islington, England. So those were all tied for a long time, and then Seattle made uh-huh. a major push at the I end. I was hoping Islington was gonna <laughs> Me too. was gonna was gonna keep it because they had the top spot for a couple days. Yeah, but then Seattle came through, and yeah. you know they beat everybody out by a couple listens. So encourage yeah, so all con- of your congratulations, friends. Seattle, on on winning. You don't win anything. Yeah, but you won. Just our love and affection. <laughs> you don't have to win a thing to be to win. <laughs> They won. It's only worth winning if you win something, Eric. <laughs> okay. So. So this episode, we're essentially going to do a roundup of the year, um, new stories, and then uh, a little bit of CBC coverage. So mm-hmm. let's uh, let's start up with a roundup of uh, news throughout the year. Okay. What, what do we have? What what happened? So what do you want to start with first? The good news or the bad news? Uh, I don't know. Let's, let's start with the good news that way. When you when you hit me with the bad news, it's not as not as bad. <laughs> <laughs> so all these news stories are pretty recent because I was trying to rack my brain about like what's happened throughout the year, and I posted online. And I was like, guys, what happened this year? And, like nobody responded, and I couldn't find anything. So so <laughs> these are pretty um, recent stories. So the win for the year, um, the good news is that New York City just, um, they passed legislation in early December by a vote of 43 to 3 to require that all glass in new New York City um, construction be bird friendly. And it's any major renovations too, right? It was all new and any major renovation. Yeah. Um, So it's pretty much anything that's replacing the glass with like the glass panels within 75 feet of the ground mm-hmm. is going to have to um, stick to these guidelines and these these rules. Um, so, like I said, it was 43 to 3. Um, so there were three people that did not vote three for Three people this. that hate birds, three, three council members, yeah. But the main <laughs> council member, Rafael Espinal. Espinal? Espinal. Sure. 
he wrote the bill and um like we said it's, so it's at least 90 percent of the first 75 feet of any new building and new renovate and some of these renovations must be using um bird friendly glass and other materials yeah it was, it was bird bird visible materials or something like that so if it has concrete pillars those count as visible yeah and so that counts as part of the 90 percent of uh surface area so this was because the local Audubon Society, they've been doing their safe flight program since 1997, and they have counted up to 230,000 birds um, each year have been killed by flying into buildings in the city. That's a lot of birds. Yeah, and it's mostly during like migration events. So that's why it's such a big deal that we need to you know, protect these birds as they're migrating from one place to another. I mean, we have to protect them everywhere, but that's definitely one of the key places is in their migration route. Yeah. So, um, like I said, there are three council members. You guys can write letters to them, you know, tell them what you think. But anyways, one of them said, and this is interesting because it's kind of true in our area as well. Um, but they said that we're putting in such a high cost on everything in the city. So we can't complain when we think of something like housing is unaffordable because we're just adding that additional cost that has to go in there because it has to be bird friendly and because that's typically more expensive. So I thought that was a really interesting point because yeah. of course, like birds are important and everything, but if you're outpricing everything, you know, that, that impacts the, but, the community too. But, but honestly, like I, I don't know any of the numbers behind any of this stuff at all. I don't know how much glass costs. I don't know any, what all this housing and stuff goes into it, but I feel like that might be an argument that's kind of like, oh, well, we have to cut to save money here. We have to cut these three cents here when there's $900 billion being spent over here. Like, like what's the what's the change in, in the housing that is going to change? Like, how much is it going to actually change the cost of housing for people? Like, is it basically a negligible amount? Is there someplace else that is stupid that the money is being spent on that should be cut instead? But it's just this is new, so why put it in? I Who no, knows? I totally get that, yeah. and I of course I'm not saying the birds should die because of yeah. housing affordability, but I just thought that was an interesting point to bring up because yeah, definitely the, the town that we live in, and I those numbers I didn't see any numbers like yeah. that in oh, any I'm of the sure, articles yeah. I read, but the town we live in, Cannon Beach, um, Oregon, we have like a lot of conversations on affordability of housing because like places houses around here, you know couple million dollars and yeah. like first-time home buyers can't afford that can't, can't afford to live in town and so i'm just thinking about like all those little impacts that go into why housing is so expensive so i just thought that was an interesting point um because we're talking about like raising the water rates to cover fixing the water lines here in our little town and how much that's gonna add to cost of housing yeah. well, as well as the, like, so the hotels, yeah. you know, like we're going to have to roll that into our prices of our hotel mm -hmm. because like it, if they're going to double the price, like, yeah. Yeah. That's also on my mind because we've been attending <laughs> city council meetings. <laughs> so anyways, um, the, so the bill, it, you know, said all this stuff and about the, the glass that's 75 feet high and everything. And it's saying that they need to use materials that have a threat factor that are below 25, which that's in accordance with the American Bird Conservancy's reference standards. So they have this whole set of standards, and it, Heidi talked about this. I she, 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 she mentioned it briefly, yeah. In our episode with her, I think in August. 
Um, but they have this whole set of standards that you can go look at and that'll help you if you want to do something at your house to make it maybe more bird friendly. Um, but that's really cool that they worked with the Audubon to write this bill, the local Audubon, mm -hmm. as well as I'm sure national. And then they use these materials that like American Birding Conservancy, they put out and I'm sure, I, I don't know, I've written a lot of things for like when I worked at state parks and things like that. Yeah. And it's like, is anybody actually ever going to read this? <laughs> so I wonder if American Bird Conservancy, if they thought that, like who's actually looking at this? So it's, it's useful that they did it. Um, and, you know, it, it's impacting something. It's making a yeah. big change. And all these people, you know, they pushed it through, which is just super cool. That's awesome. And so if, if you want to hear more about why why glass kills birds and why why it's important that uh, bur buildings be made with bird-friendly glass and we do everything we can, um, like Hannah mentioned, we interviewed Heidi Trudell um, all about bird collisions and window strikes and all sorts of things that are threatening birds that uh, are not not uh, natural occurrences um, in an episode uh, a few months back. So mm -hmm. you can go, go ahead and go back and listen to that one. And Just see. pause this one now, yeah. go listen to that, and then, yeah. And then come back. <laughs> and come back and listen to the rest of this. <laughs> so this whole thing was great. It's going to make a big difference in a lot of birds' lives, hopefully. I mean, it's going to take some time to go into effect because I don't know how many buildings are currently being built and how many major well, and, renovations. And it, and it doesn't it doesn't affect current th buildings. So the, yeah. they only have to do changes when they're going to be doing changes to the glass anyway mm -hmm. so it's so it's not they're not requiring all these big huge buildings to go out there and spend a billion dollars today like it's when they're going to be spending money anyways to do these major renovations they then have to source the material as uh, bird friendly and this is a growing trend too there are other cities that are doing this but um they were hoping to roll this out statewide in mm -hmm. new york and uh you know, that's a really awesome effort that they were looking to do. But then the New York governor, Andrew Cuomo, he recently vetoed a bill um, just recently that to organize a council to write the statewide glass-friendly re regulations. Huh. So it's a little frustrating. So that, wait a like, minute. So Andrew Cuomo hates birds, too. Yeah, apparently. Right. So they were making all this traction, and they did a great <laughs> job in New York City, and they were hoping to make it statewide, but unfortunately that's not the case at this time. But I think it's going to get the ball rolling in a lot of places that people can look at. I mean, that's one of the biggest cities in the country, or at least the most famous cities in the country. Oh, definitely. One of the most famous cities in the country. Yeah. So, I mean, how many people around the world are like, I want to go to New York City? Like, yeah. I've never said that. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I've said that before. <laughs> I'm just teasing. I don't have anything against New York City. But... It's great to see that, and that'll be something exciting, you know, if we ever do go to point out, like, how many of these yeah. buildings are bird-friendly. That'd be interesting you know, to, see, to see the route that they go in order to make them bird-friendly, because there, there's a handful of different things that you can do to the glass. So it'd be interesting to see what they do Yeah, on, so, the, on these new buildings. And, good job, New York City. Yeah. That, that really... Congratulations, New York and New Yorkers. Well, New York Cityers. New York Cityers. Yeah. Yeah. New Yorkers, they still got the, 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 the rest of the states. Apparently, <laughs> it's in the works. Apparently, you know. yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so then, like I was saying, if it's such a big place that I'm sure there's a lot of cities now that can just look at their bill and maybe even just copy oh, yeah. what they have. Yeah, in the well, once once a standard set, a precedent set, then it's easy to easy to copy keep following paste. it up. Yeah, yeah. So that brings us to our loss then for the year. Our, yeah. Our yeah. Our bad news. Bad news. Thank you. Um and. 
we mentioned this and I'm pretty sure you've probably seen articles about it, but since 1970, North America has lost nearly 3 billion birds in that 40, 40, 50, 50 years, 50 years. Bam. That's oh math. my gosh. Are you kidding me? It's 2020. Ugh, uh, I still think it's 2010. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I still think I'm 20 also. Anyways, you're not. <laughs> Nope, sorry. <laughs> Anyways, um, we have just lost a ton of birds in that time frame. Uh, and that's, you know, bird life in general. So we should have had 3 billion birds more now, but we're, we don't because of losses throughout the years. Because of what we've done to them. Yeah. So this was the first major study in which researchers found that threatened species aren't the only ones that are suffering population losses. So typically when we look at, at birds in decline, we just look at the threatened species because those are the ones that, you know, the government, the U.S. government is required to try to save. Well, and it's it's more like drastic when it's like, OK, well, there's there's only 500 of these left yeah, rather than, OK, well, we had 10,000 or we, we had 100,000. Now we have 80,000. Yeah. Like, that's a huge loss. 20,000 out of 100. That's a huge but loss. But it's not as noticeable. But, but it's not as noticeable when you still have 80,000. Yeah. Like, eh. And but so, that's a huge deal. And this study was supported by over 50 years of monitoring data collected by birders and citizen science through efforts like the North American Bird, Bird, Breeding Bird Survey, Christmas Bird Counts, International Shorebird Surveys. So all those things that you go out and do they're impacting things like this. And we interviewed Nicole Mitchell mm -hmm. a couple months ago, who is a Audubon. Re um, oh, she was. Statistician. Yeah. Thank you. Statistician. And she uses this kind of data. And I don't know that she contributed specifically to this, but I know that this study had a ton of authors. Well, and that spanned it, it, different it, organizations. It drew information from the Christmas bird count, which mm -hmm. her organization, the Audubon society, that's, that's, what That's the do. bread and butter, yeah. It's <laughs> their bread and butter. It's their bread and butter. <laughs> <laughs> All those data points. <laughs> All those data points. That's that's the bread and butter of the Audubon Society. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I can stop donating to them then. Yeah, well, because they get everything they need from data points. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So um, they found in that study that... There are 419 native migratory species that have experienced a net loss of 2.5 billion birds, so uh, or billion individuals, and so that's pretty much all our species, you that's know, a, have seen declines. Of, yeah. uh, not all of them. Not all of them. Yeah, and 90% were in 12 different families, like sparrows, warblers, blackbirds, larks, finches, and other things that are habitat generalists that can use a variety of different habitats. So a lot of these were, were smaller birds. Well, and, and birds that we think of as adaptable, mm -hmm. sparrows, warblers, black blackbirds, we think of them as super adaptable. Yeah. But 90% of the losses fell within those families. Uh, the forests have lost about a billion birds since 1970, so that's a huge chunk of that number, that three billion, were in forests. Uh, grasslands also saw a 53% reduction in population, so that's about uh, just over 700 million birds. And then aerial insectivores, like swallows, nighthawks, flycatchers, they're down by 32%. So around 150 million, which is just crazy because those are the things that we need. Like swallows, I mean, if you've ever gone into a mosquito-y place, like you need <laughs> swallows. And dragonflies. Uh, Mostly dragonflies. 
Well, swallows they do it. They eat mosquitoes. They they work. They try. They do what they do. (laughs) Um, And then coastal shorebirds, they are they're always in dangerously low numbers, unfortunately. And in that time frame, they lost more than a third of their population. Oh my gosh, that's insane. So they're down a ton, and the volume of spring migration um, that they're able to measure through like radar and then like night calls and all that that Mm -hmm. people place, you know those recording devices on the roofs that's dropped by about 14% in just the past decade alone. Hmm. And all of this is important because we like seeing birds. Um, but also because birds are an indicator species, which, uh, you know, the decline like this is really a canary in the coal mine situation. So we see that we're having these huge significant losses in population numbers. And that tells us that there's something wrong in the environment and we need to work to fix that. Well, and, that's they're either telling us that this is that other things like uh amphibians and insects are going to be lost or telling us that they've we've already started losing them because they feed on those species they feed on those and there's it's all connected together and so it's we're watching one we're watching one group we're Mm -hmm. watching one one um family but there's all those different groups that are all connected together that we're not we we are what other groups are watching them but we're we're not, <laughs> and they're, you're they, not tracking they, amphibian numbers. I'm, I'm not. I'm not paying attention to. That's what I'm numbers. paying you to do. <laughs> the re- the reptiles. I have no. I have no idea how the the Ruskin newts are doing in Oregon. I don't. I don't know what they're doing. But you're useless. I'm, I'm sure there's a bird that's eating them, and we're paying attention to the bird. Aren't they the poisonous ones? Yeah, they're the super poisonous. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure something's eating them, though. I mean, they wouldn't be out there if they're not getting eaten. And birds are eating them. That's why they're declining. <laughs> it's all because of the rough skin newt. Oh, jeez. <laughs> um, so there were some positives in that report, too. We see that wetland species, they were up 13% or so. Waterfowl was up 56%. And guess what a major um, proponent of that was? Ducks unloaded? Uh, the waterfowl. Water oh, the, fowl stamp. The, the, the duck, duck stamp, stamp. Yeah. yeah. Because we were able to purchase all that land and everything yeah. and protect it, we provide refuges for these waterfowl. So mm-hmm. that that really did show an impact, um, which if you follow my stuff and you see that I like the duck stamp, but I don't like being counted as a hunter, you know, I, I think it's great to acknowledge that this did have a big impact, but we're losing hunters and fishermen anglers at um, a huge rate because it's just not necessarily part of the culture anymore people just aren't people just doing don't it. Do it yeah and so um you can't you can't fight what people aren't doing yeah so we're the duck stamp and like these organizations are losing a lot of money because they don't have the anglers or the um hunters contributing anymore and so i hate to see where this is going to go because the money's not there anymore yeah if we can't find another re- revenue stream yeah. For this, uh, these sorts of purchases. But I mean, or like others say, it, reactivate it would be... hunters and recruit them and continue, try to, try to get that back into the culture a little bit more. Yeah. That's the other know. option. That's the other option. It's um, not making a lot of traction, but that's the other option. Yeah. So like I said, there were a lot of, uh, declines in species and some of these things are due to like lawns. So lawns make up about like, I mean, lawns in front of your house, they make about 40 million acres of land in the U.S. Oh, my gosh. So, it's the largest crop in the U.S. It's just, like... Grass? Gr- like, not even, like, field grass. It's, like, <laughs> grass in your front yard. Your, your tall fescue, your red fescue, your St. Augustine, your... <laughs> You're just going to name all the grasses. I'm just going to name all the grasses that I know. Um, <laughs> so, that's causing a huge decline because people are 
you know, they're putting pesticides on that and mm -hmm. that gets into the food system or it's just your insecticides, not... your fungicide, you're covering them in poison. And it's just not necessarily a great habitat for a lot of things. I mean, like, what do you see out there? Like starlings, sometimes robins, like... I just never saw much in my parents' lawn when I was a kid. Even yeah, in our lawn here. occasionally. Yeah, occasionally. But it's just not a great habitat for them. Yeah. And so um, we're losing them because they're losing their habitat. And also window strikes are a major thing that, you know, injures our birds. Uh, we already said pesticides, the outdoor cats, and then just agriculture in general with uh, monocultures and uh, pesticide use in those. So that's, it's, it's the same as having the front yard. Yeah. But it's on... It's a different crop. Instead of grass, it's corn. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the downer. Yeah. Well, let's, well, let's hear some weird news. Okay. There's so got to be something that's not good and not bad to kind of palate cleanser news. I got you. <laughs> so this is really recent, too. Um, just at the beginning of December. But I'm calling it the Las Vegas Cowboy Pigeons. So. <laughs> it's so weird. Like, what the heck? So, Bobby Lee... Is that his first name? Is that his full name? We'll find out. What do you think? <laughs> What's your hot take? My hot take? Bobby Lee? Bobby Lee. I think Bobby Lee is probably his first name. <laughs> it's just, just, he's probably like Bobby Lee and then last name. <laughs> so, Bobby Lee Smith. Yeah, Bobby Lee Smith. Um, so, he first noticed on December 5th on his way to the grocery store that there was something red outside his car door. What could it be? And after looking more carefully, he found that there were two pigeons pecking around on the ground, but they were wearing miniature cowboy hats. So stupid. He apparently wasn't drunk or high. Um, one was red and one was gray. And since, those have been named Cluck Norris and Coolamity Jane. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where the Coolamity Jane comes from. It's Calamity Jane. I don't know. Cause well, I think yeah, it's cause, I got that. Cause, cause because she's, she's cool. cool. Okay. She's cool. I, I, just, on. I was hoping it would like be a bird joke or something. Oh, maybe it is. Maybe it's cool. Oh, cool. it could be. That's what it is. Yeah. Okay. Cool, Lamity Jane. Not yeah. cool, Lamity Jane. It's not cool, Lamity. It's cool. Gotta have different facets yeah. on it. So, <laughs> you're wrong, Mr. Lee. Oh, dang. Mr. Lee. Uh, he then proceeded to film the birds, and there's a film that has been viewed hundreds of thousands of times that say, "Birds have hats on, bro." Really? Yeah. And I, then I have to see if I can find this video. And then, Put it in the show notes. Yeah, and then threw some Doritos out the window to try to oh get them to stay right where he was at. Well, that's, that's a good thing. Feed them, feed them people food. You know, birds that's, love that. It's probably like hot Cheeto or Pro hot Doritos too. Or Processed some food. Kind of yeah. disgusting thing. Yeah. Takis. Something people shouldn't be eating, giving it to the birds too. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so he, he like saw those and was thinking that was super weird. He got contacted by news sources all over the place. People wanted to buy his video and, and <laughs> interview him. And when he's like trying to piece it all together, like why is this happening? Um, he realized that there's the professional rodeo cowboys association was putting on their Wrangler national finals rodeo. And so everybody was so wondering, were they like, putting them on? are they doing this as a promo or something like that? Um, He's the stupidest which, promo. <laughs> their rep said they were not, they didn't have anything to do with it. So the jury's still out on that. And there were reports in the next few days too. And also unverified reports of the same thing happening in Reno. So I don't know if actually in Reno or if it was just like a copycat or people yeah. were just like confused whether it was Reno or Las Vegas or what. And the Vegas police said that they don't have anything to do with this, that they don't. 
they're you, not you gonna would, you would think it would i mean i guess the police probably don't really deal with animal abuse things until they get like really bad yeah because they like really want to stay away from that sort of thing for some reason i don't know um, huh. people have been concerned about their welfare and the one news source that I was reading, they reached out to a Cornell ornithologist whose name is Charles Walcott. Um, and it said that he st has studied the common pigeon for 30 years and it said common pigeon common like it pigeon. was what the species was <laughs> called. So take that with a grain of salt. Yeah. But he said, I enjoyed the video. I just thought those pigeons with hats were cute. Um, he wasn't too worried. He determined that it wasn't causing great harm to the birds. The hats had were light enough, so it wasn't like weighing them down. And they weren't obscuring their eyes. However, he did say that it might impede their ability to see like a hawk or some other predator coming at them. So it could impact them that way. See, that's that's what, where I saw I saw the um, some commentary about it. And that's all the internet comments were all about that. Like, oh, well, these pe the people that did this should be arrested. And... and because now, now these birds are going to die because the hawks are going to get them. But it's, they're, I don't know. But the birds are incognito, you they're, know? Yeah. They're... How's the hawk going to even be able to tell that's that there's a bird there? It's got a hat on. There, there's a couple birds and then two cowboys just hanging out with them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I guess no, I won't bother I'm not going to bother the cowboys. I'm just going to go after those birds over there. Um, the local <laughs> wildlife organization, it was called like Lofty Hands, I believe. Uh, they are trying to capture the birds and get the, the and just take, hats take off. Them off yeah. yeah, because they're nobody's sure what it was. It's on their heads with like, is it just like fitted to their head somehow? Um, but they're thinking it's probably glue. It was glued on. Probably. And the, they're, they're just like per perfectly fitted hats. To, I don't. To pigeon's heads. It's probably like a doll hat, and somebody <laughs> was like just put it on the pigeon, and they're like, oh, that fits pretty nicely. <laughs> um, but. They said that the hats will molt off, so, you know, it shouldn't be too much trouble, hurt them too much. Uh, but they are pretty worried about them, and they're trying to capture them still. But the quote that I really liked was, humans basically just need to keep their hands off animals. It's their life. They have a right to live free from harm, which But is don't they also have a right to a Stetson? <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not advocating for going and gluing a hat on, but if you get a perfectly fitted Stetson on to a pigeon, like... I you got know. it. I don't know. If you want to put your money on that, go for it. I don't know. I definitely don't. That's. I'm gonna call I, the cops don't, on you. Don't put hats on birds. It's just it's leave funny, the but it's, alone. Just leave them alone. Just leave them alone. <laughs> so, anyways, I anyways. like that quote because that's how I feel about animals too. Yeah, they should live. They should. They should definitely have the right to us not bother them. Yeah. So, um, those are our weird news roundup stories for yeah. the. The end of the year. For the end of the year, yeah. Um, and then the next little part, Eric was going to tell me about the Christmas bird counts that he participated in. Yeah. I was hoping to go on a couple Christmas bird counts, but we weren't able to find coverage at our hotel during that time. So Nobody went, volunteered. So I went by myself. So I had well, to sit here all day and look sad. So go ahead, Eric. Yeah. Tell me about your Christmas bird counts. <laughs> so um, I'm not angry, you bitter. Yeah, no, I, I can give you guys a short recap. Um... And Hannah, Hannah, we can we can talk about this together. The um, <laughs> <laughs> so Christmas bird counts they've they've been around for a while. Um, we talked we've already, we talked about them last year. Um, we just recap real quick again this year. Um, they started in, in 1900. Um, Frank Chapman was uh, he petitioned the um, the birding community to rather than hunting birds, go out and count them. 
And you found a memo that he had written for Bird I did. Lore. Yes. Right? So we didn't mention it last year, and I didn't I didn't find it until this year, and it might not have been digitized until this year. But there was a memo that uh, that he had, or maybe it was an article that he had written for the um, for Bird Lore. The I think that's a magazine, right? Yeah. Yeah. For for um, in New Jersey, and it was basically proposing that. We, they do that, and the way he worded it made it sound like... And we'll like, put that in the show notes, Yeah, too. We'll, we'll put a link to that um, thing in the show notes. But the um, the way he worded it made it sound like people... It was already becoming unpopular to do these side hunts where they would go out and... <coughs> where they would go out and they would choose sides and then come back and see how many they, they killed together. But it, it sounds like that was all losing popularity anyways, so, they, um, so he was proposing them to go out and count, which... Uh, they did. They started counting. There was only, um, I think there was 19, 19 participants that first year. <laughs> that's it was pretty good. It was not, well, yeah, 19. When, when it's a thing that's never happened before, it's pretty good. So um, that's very different from this year, which um, we have don't have any numbers for 2019, 2020 yet, but 2018, 2019. Because it like, just started. Because it just started. Two days ago. As of recording of this, today is day three of the, yeah. of the season. But uh, by the time you this had comes a streak out, going on, why didn't you do one today? I, I should I should have done. I count. I counted birds out here, but I wasn't in a circle. That's, doesn't count. It doesn't count. No. Um, You're just wasting time. I'm <laughs> wasting time counting birds. Um, but last year, um, there was seventy nine thousand four hundred and twenty five observers. Jeez. So from nineteen all the way up to seventy nine thousand. That's wow. that's in a little bit of a change. Years. In hundred yeah hundred twenty years. That's some growth. That's a little bit of growth. Well, that's one hundred nineteen years because that was one hundred nineteenth ah, last you're year. Right. Yeah. Um. And last year there was there's there's been some changes over the years, um, and we've been able to monitor, like Hannah said, with the um, the loss of three billion birds. Um, the numbers from Christmas bird counts went into that, and um, so some of the so we have some numbers that uh, that I was looking through the Audubon website and found uh, last year's numbers. Um, some things like uh, last year they only counted uh, forty eight million total birds, which sounds like a lot forty eight million birds. But apparently that's uh, showing a slight decline over the last couple of years. I think it's more than last year, but it's as a general trend declining. Um, and they've they've been declining in both number of species and number of birds altogether over the last uh, over the last thirty three years, basically. And how many circles were there this year or this last year? Oh, there was uh, there was just over twenty six hundred total circles. And that's thirty more than what they had last year. Wow! So almost so new 80, record. Almost eighty thousand observers in twenty six hundred circles. That's yeah. a lot. It's a lot of people crammed yeah. into these tiny little circles. <laughs> I mean, they don't seem so tiny when you're birding in them. But... Yeah, because what fifteen mile radius. F- fifteen diameter. Yeah, F- fifteen Di- mile diameter, and it's uh, like they usually split them up into chunks. Yeah. So you don't usually. Cr- like when you, when you're out, you usually don't cross the path of another birder that's birding with you. Mm-hmm. At least I, I happened in the counts that I've done. You you do your section, and then at the end of the day, you see everyone again yeah. at the countdown. Uh, but this year is the um, the 120th um, count. It started uh, December 14th, um, two days ago, as of the recording of this, and mm-hmm. it goes until January 5th. So we're uh, we have some time ahead of us, and when this is released, you'll still have time to go out there and sign up for. Uh, Sign up for some. Mm-hmm. Have another three more weeks once this is released. Then yeah. You can go out there and sign up and get out there and count some birds. Um, just to give you kind of some aspirations to hit last year, um, the highest the highest total circle. Um, with the most people? With the, with the most uh, species. Oh, the most, okay. With the most species had uh, 491 species. Jeez. Um, but it was in Ecuador. So if oh. you're listening from Ecuador, like, 
go out there and make that 500. Get it. <laughs> you're so close. Yeah, you're so close. You're nine birds away from 500, which is an insane amount of birds to count in a 24-hour period. Oh my gosh, I know. Yeah, you can either go for a lot of birds or you can go join them up in Edmonton, Alberta and uh, see if they can get 500 volunteers. They had 482 last year. Jeez. So, and the one they're we, close. one of the ones we participated in last year had the second highest, the right? The second highest, Portland CBC. I think it was 382. Something like that. Man, yeah. that's a huge difference. It was, it was like 100 less, yeah. <laughs> it was it was crazy. Yeah. Come on, Oregon, get it together. Yeah, seriously. We can, we can beat Alberta. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, um, I guess that, that's, that's pretty much how, how CBCs have been going over the last couple of years. Yeah. There's tons of history. I think tons we of, talked about history, it a lot, yeah. probably in our last episode, our, our episode last year. Our last year's about CBC Christmas episode. Yeah. So you did two. I did two this year. And you did the first so one. So far. On, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I know. I'm probably not going to get a chance to get out and do another one. Um, so on the 14th you participated in. And we were kind of going based on what's around us. Like, a lot of people do travel to go to CBCs because, like, some people want to go to the one that has the most birds. Or, yeah, they want know. to go down to Napo or they want to go up and join everyone in Edmonton. Yeah, so, <laughs> uh, but we typically do it on what makes sense with distance as well as, like, the day that we're able to go. So, Eric did the Tillamook CBC Tillamook, yeah. on the 14th. Yeah, so the Tillamook CBC is centered over Tillamook Bay. Um, down, uh, about, it's about an hour south of us. Mm-hmm. Um, we did an episode all about, in Tillamook County. So it's basically... You guys know all about Tillamook yeah, Seriously, then. you guys already know everything about this already. So, <laughs> uh, I was assigned, um, the Bay City section. Um, which is a small town. Which is a very small town that's kind of, is really close to the center of the circle. Um, so I basically, I stayed down in a downtown area and there's a bunch of, um, a bunch of little pockets of habitat that were really nice to hit. Um... I started I started the count at about 7:30. It was pretty much sunrise, a little bit after sunrise so you can actually start seeing stuff. Um and I ran over to the sewage ponds cuz what else do you want to do first thing in the morning? Yeah, right? You get over to the sewage ponds as yeah. fast as you can That's every day. That's your favorite thing. Every day sewage ponds, yeah. So it was the sewage ponds were about what I would expect. There was tons of mallards, tons of other waterfowl, um had shovelers, had uh had a couple scop, had ringneck or yeah, ringneck ducks, and um, had a couple gadwalls and widgeons. So it's pretty much the things you would expect to see at a sewage pond. Um, from there, I headed over to um, this Bay City Oyster Company, which we've driven past a hundred times on the road. It yeah. has a giant pile of oyster <laughs> shells, like it's like thirty feet high and like. The, the length of like three semi trucks like they don't need to advertise because you just see the oyster you shells see the oyster outside. shells and you know that's where you go to get your oysters yeah um but that's a that spot really there is a really good spot for goals i was able to get all my all my species of goals i missed mugle but all the other species of goals i was able to get right there at the shell pile and then uh and then go down and it has a little um jetty that sticks out there's lots of turnstones and other interesting birds out there then I headed up and up and. But you had like a ton of turnstones. Oh in my those gosh! Oyster shells, right? So what was it? There was there was well over thirty, and it was like an actual count as there as because they were feeding. So I was just working my way along the beach, just count, 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 count. And I got well well over thirty, and there was actually wow. some that were hanging out on the roof of the building. I've never seen a turnstone on a roof. <laughs> and I thought I thought that was so interesting. It was I got a couple of pictures of a pigeon right next to a turnstone <laughs> sitting up on the roof. That's quite a combination. Yeah, so so they're Did all there for oysters. And none of them had hats. That's weird. Weirdly. I don't mm. know. You would think, like, at least like a fishing hat. 
Oh, yeah, totally. Like yeah. a captain's hat? Like a captain's hat? We need to get that started. Or not. <laughs> we don't have any pigeons around us. No, we, we don't have a lot of pigeons in this section of the county. Um, so I also, just after that, so I headed to, headed to this park that, um, that the compiler was like, oh, this park will be really good. Go there. And there was nothing. I mean, it, it was. <laughs> he steered you wrong. He's, he's, there, there might've been some stuff at a different time of day or something, but there was no, it was empty. So then I just basically just drove around town with the windows down. And anytime I would come across a flock of birds, I'd park her and hop out and I'd start counting up and see, see, see what I can get. And then I'd drive a couple more streets, kind of looking in as discreetly as possible, looking in the backyards, seeing if there's... Oh, so you are creeping. Yeah, I was creeping around town, trying to see, trying to not get in trouble. But the people were super friendly in Bay City. Huh. Like, everyone was super friendly. Every time I was parked, if I was parked standing next to my car, they would ask me, hey, are you are you okay? Do you need, do you need a ride somewhere? Are you, is your car okay? And everything? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm doing good. I mean, I've heard a lot of other stories, like, from other places. People like, get off my property, get out of here, and all yeah, that stuff. Yeah, last year that guy gave us, like, a big long guy, stare. guy gave us a whole, a big, a hard time last year. So it's, it was really nice to be Bay City, super, super friendly to people, like everyone. They, they had no idea if I was a local or not. It was just another guy's. So that was cool. But um, while driving around through downtown, I got up to the top of this hill, mm-hmm. and I was kind of scanning around, trying to find some stuff, and... There was a peregrine falcon sitting up on top of one of the Dang. trees, which I, at first I was like, oh, it's just, I, I, I thought like a Cooper's or something. And yeah. I kept scanning and looking around, but I was like, oh, but then I thought, I was like, oh, well, I'll just get the scope out real quick and I'll, I'll get a couple scope shots of it. And so that I have, I have like pictures to take. And then I look at it in the scope and I'm like, oh, that's a peregrine. Mm-hmm. So I, I would have completely overlooked this, just written it off as something less exciting, but I got the scope out and looked at it. That's cool. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, so spent spent a little bit of time in the downtown area, and then I headed from there up north of town to this point that kind of sticks out into the bay, and it was fantastic. That was the most, like, forest birds. There was chickadees and wrens and kinglets. and Titmice? There was no titmice, unfortunately. <laughs> unfortunately. I just think of them as a forest bird now. I know. But they were all over the place. And then I had a couple shorebirds, had a couple uh, spotted sandpipers, and then a hermit thrush, and just so much activity in this little tiny pocket, which is huh. just like, don't don't overlook any little... I, I was kind of excited for the point, because it looked kind of, like it would be kind of good, but yeah. it's so small. So it's... You know, never overlook even the smallest little tiny spot. So that was that was really good. And then on my way back down, down into town, I was taking this uh, kind of back road, um, driving real slow, trying to find some stuff, when this red-tailed hawk just swooped across in front of me and it was like five feet from my bumper when it went across in front of me luckily i was only going at like 10 miles an hour because i was like windows down listening for birds as i'm driving down the road trying to find more flocks of stuff but yeah that was that was exciting and i didn't know i thought it was a harris's hawk at first that was the first thing that came to (laughs) mind because it was it was like black it was full like hardcore dark morph red tail came across and I was. It looked black when it came out. What? That's is Harlan's the. No, Har, Harlan's is. Uh, um, they they're not out here on the coast. They're they're up in. Uh, I think there there are some sightings of them like on the um, in the gorge. Oh okay. I think. I'm, I I don't know. It, but it's. I'm, I'm um, Har- some species. I, some species are confusing. We'll we'll have to talk to Bill Clark. We'll have to. Yeah. Get, get him on here and explain to us all about. Uh, yeah. Subspecies red tails. So, um, so I had a pretty good day. Um, it's 
Uh, according to the compiler, he said that, uh, according to James, the compiler, he said that um, the Tillamook CBC is generally one of the highest um, species count CBCs on the Oregon coast. Wow. But yet there's never any volunteers for it. <laughs> and it's, I, I don't know if it's timing or what, but apparently he just doesn't have very many volunteers. I think there's not a lot of hotels in that area. That's true, and there plus, aren't. you have to get there pretty early. Yeah. Too, so well, like... Where are people going to stay and then That's get true. up early and go? Yeah, yeah, because he starts 6.30 is when the meeting was in the morning. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I had to I had to leave here at the hotel at, uh, like, 5.15. Yeah. So, I was up pretty early to go down there. But it was good. I got I got 67 species. I um, haven't heard what the um, what the tentative count or the final count was for the for the circle yet. But uh, 67 species for yeah, that's really a, day, good on, a day of birding in, in, in the Oregon. winter in Oregon. Yeah, that's really pretty good. good. So, then... Uh, and so I, I had two to clean that day, so yeah, two rooms to clean. Yeah, not too bad. <laughs> and then easy day for both of us. <laughs> Sixty-seven species, two rooms to clean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then the next day, um, you in which was yesterday. Yeah. As of this recording. As of the recording, it was yesterday. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you did the mouth of the Columbia River CBC, which um, that's right at the Columbia River. Yeah. You know, which is the barrier between Oregon and Washington. So, yeah. So how did that go? It, not as good. <laughs> <laughs> so it's this the circle is centered on the actual it's like inland like three or four miles or five miles or something like that from the mouth of the actual river but centered on the river. So mm-hmm. they, there's stuff on this on the north side of the river and stuff on the south side of the river. That way it's actually the mouth of the Columbia. So you can get both both sides of the river get some good habitat coverage. Um it's it was super foggy. So we started we started at 7.30. I was driving up north from, from the hotel. I got to... Um, and it's like, what, 30, 45 it's like, minutes it's 35, I think it's 35 minutes um, from here to the Pig and the Pancake, where we were okay. meeting that morning. Um, I got to the Young's Bay Bridge, which is um, the first bridge that you get to as you're headed before, yeah. before you get over to Washington. And... The fog got so thick at that point, I had maybe 100 feet of visibility. <laughs> maybe not even that much. Maybe 50 feet of visibility. Yeah. Like, there was a car. Like, we were following normal following distance, like, like three or four cars lengths. And as soon as we hit this fog, they, their car disappeared entirely into just, like, blurs of, oh of, head, of the taillights. And I was like, oh, my gosh. So, I, I'm down to, like, 15 miles an hour as I go across the bridge. It was... It was awful, and and it was only it was twenty eight degrees I think, so it was cold and foggy, and it was, it was intense, but um, we uh, we met up, got assigned our areas. I got assigned to head over to Fort Stevens State Park, which is right on the um, the south the south jetty of the river, and mm-hmm. basically inland a little bit from there. So it's it's a um, historic military fort. That Hannah actually Did you want me at. to take this one? Yeah, if you want to go ahead, if you want to go ahead and explain what Fort Stevens is. Um, yeah, I worked there for two summers <laughs> as an interpreter. It is one of the coolest state parks, I think. It's one of the larger ones mm-hmm. in Oregon. It has 500 campsites or so. So, so it's like in the summer it can get up to, I think they say 5,000 people just at that one park. Um, well, and it's the largest by number of largest state park by number of campsites west, west of, of Mississippi. Mississippi, as far as I remember, yeah. unless something's changed in the like seven years since I've been there. <laughs> it's a huge park. It is, but and it's beautiful. It's only like four thousand acres, so it's not that many like an acreage. Yeah, that's uh, true. In terms of the total size of the park, it's not 
the biggest, but but it includes a campground. It has the historic fort. It's a an earthenworks uh, fort at, that was built during the Civil War. Yeah, and then after that, they built a more sturdy fort and poured uh, concrete and stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so it's it's cool to just go look around because there's like a battery that you can like just climb all over the place, and yeah, uh, there's there's signs saying be careful, but it's basically like signs that are like be careful, but at your own risk. Yeah, <laughs> um, and there's also a jetty that goes out to the mouth of the Columbia, so that's really neat to go look and watch. Um, gold just sea watching and, and stuff. things like that yeah. during the summer. And different times of year, too. And it's just a beautiful park. It's kind of boggy and, like... It has a bunch of habitat types. So there's there's a conifer forest section. There's a mixed forest section, a wetland section, deep beach dunes, and then, like, a kind of prairie area. So there's a whole bunch of... And coastal dunes. So there's a whole bunch of different habitat types within the park. And we didn't even talk about the, the most important thing of it. What, there. what is the most important It's the thing? Peter Iredale shipwreck. Oh, the Peter Iredale shipwreck. Yeah, yeah. so it, it's probably the most photographed shipwreck in the world. I got some Be- pictures of it yesterday, too. Yeah, <laughs> I took two pictures. <laughs> it was a, a ship that had wrecked on the, the shore, like, during high tide. And so then, like, low tide came, and all of the the water went out, and it's sitting on the beach. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's, right now it's on the beach, but mm-hmm. when, it, when, it, um, when it crashed... It was on a sandbar yeah. that was a ways out, but now because of the way the jetty is causing um, sand to build up on the beach, it's the beach has moved over to the the wreckage. Mm-hmm. So now now it's right on the beach. Yeah. So the, you can like go climb on that too, yeah. which you shouldn't do. You shouldn't it's do. Dangerous. You'll get yourself tetanus. Yeah, but it's cool <laughs> to go look at, and it's over a hundred years old. It's been sitting there, so yeah. that's just crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of interesting. Oregon, well, the Pacific Northwest is called the Graveyard of the Pacific because so many ships wreck out there. Yeah, it's it's, it's a it's a very dangerous. The, the mouth of the Columbia River is a very very dangerous bar to be crossing because mm-hmm. the Columbia River it's it's a huge river, huge, and there's so much water that comes out, and the um the what is it called the the current that runs along the coast the. The longshore current. Yeah. So the, the longshore current is also really strong. So you have the strong river coming out and then the longshore current that's really strong that's running south. So those c- combined create pretty treacherous conditions well, right there at the, the mouth of the river. Well, and also the channels will like move yeah. too. And so they have to go dredge them pretty regularly. And... Well, and, and this is after the jetty. Like before the yeah. jetty, it was even, it was like, it was really hard to get into there. Now with the jetty, it's easier, but it's still really hard. It's still so, a dangerous bar. It's a beautiful park. It's a great birding location mm-hmm. if you're ever in the North Coast. So. Yeah, so definitely go out there birding if you're if you're going to do it. So I did a lot of walking. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, you got your steps in? I got my steps in for sure. I think my watch uh, rounded around uh, five times my steps that I needed for the day. <laughs> wow. I had, I think I, I, think I had, uh, it was like 28,000 steps or something like that over the day. So I, I walked a long ways. Um, I basically parked all the way out at the end of the end of the road. <laughs> there's a, um, there's a sea, uh, shorebird, um, conservation area that they're using to monitor, uh, snowy plovers. And I parked out past that and then walked back to the jetty, which was two and a quarter miles of walking on the, walking in the sand. Um, so your calves super are fun. like oh my really gosh. tired. They're, they're strong. I, I have, <laughs> I have calves the size of cows or something i don't know calves the size of something big big calves yes 
calves the size of something that has big calves. But like a bodybuilder. Yeah, like <laughs> a bodybuilder or something, yeah. But um but the the fog though, even then, so we seven thirty, the fog was really bad. So I got out there at I think it was eight fifteen is when I started my count. Um fog was still super thick. And it it was thick to the point where it was condensing on everything. So it was all over my binoculars, like the outside of my binoculars, the scope, everything. So everything was wet, everything was cold. So if anybody wants to send him a new pair of binoculars, yeah. his current ones are probably they're, ruined. They're, they're just wet. <laughs> I, I can't have wet binoculars. I need dry binoculars. <laughs> but We're I'm, open to sponsorships. <laughs> <laughs> but um, So I'm walking along the beach and seeing sanderlings here and there. Not, not, not too much. And then it starts to clear up just a little bit. And I see a whole giant group of snowy plovers. Jeez. Like it, it was, it was probably, it was around, I think 19 was my solid, the solid count, but there, there might've been more, but I, I, for sure there was 19 is what I, what I came up, the number I came up with. And there was also some semi-palmated plovers. I had like three of those guys hanging around and then a ton of sanderlings and tons of golds too. And, uh, snowy plovers are a species of concern. Yeah. In, in, Oregon. in Oregon. Yeah. So, well, at least the, on the North the, coast because the coastal snowy plovers yeah. are, are, not doing too hot. Yeah. But the but the inland snowy plovers are fine, and the snowy plovers across the country in general are doing fine. Okay. As far as far as, as far as I know. Yeah. They're, they're doing okay. They're they're doing the same as all other shorebirds, which isn't yeah. good. Yeah. There you go. But. <laughs> but that's the, general uh, enough to be yeah, true. <laughs> that's general enough. Yeah. So the but the snowy plovers they're they're almost all of them are color banded. So I, I got a whole bunch of pictures of color banded snowy plovers, and then. That's cool. Then the also. I got to watch them do this really interesting behavior where they, where they're feeding, which I've seen other birds do different feeding behaviors, and they're they're it's always interesting the techniques that the birds come up with to get things. But the snowy plovers, it would take like two or three steps, and then it would take one foot out in front of it, and it just vibrated on the ground. I saw, and well, then and then it would peck whatever whatever it got to come up, and then it would take a couple steps, and then it would stick its other foot out. And then vibrated on the ground in front of it. And, like, I could see the ripples in the water. Because it was in, like, just the, the thin skim of water. And so I could see the ripples in the water as it's doing it. It was like, this is hilarious. I, you took a picture of one of them doing that with yeah. its foot I, out. I was trying to do get pictures of it. But I was like, I, I, don't, I have to go. I haven't looked at them yet. I but. really wanted to post it on Instagram. Like, this my right foot. <laughs> <laughs> put your right foot in. Put your right foot out. So I, I thought it was really interesting watching him do this behavior. And then, then, so half of them were doing that. So you're not even doing a Christmas bird count. You're just like out there just screwing around. <laughs> I'm counting. I counted. I told you 19. I counted. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, still super foggy. So, so from there, I got up onto the, onto the jetty. There's a tower up on the jetty, or right next to the jetty. And it was still socked in. Like, like the visibility was better. I could see maybe 200 feet, but that was about it. So sea watching was out of the question. <laughs> Which that's the intent of going there is to do sea watching. Yeah. It's nothing. Nothing going. So I went back to the car. It was like, it was two and a quarter miles along the beach. And then on the road, it was only a mile and three quarters. So it wasn't, it wasn't that bad. So I walked back to the car. Um, lots of forest birds on the route. Um, I had a big giant group of over 40 yellow rumped warblers, wow. which um, Mike, the compiler was telling me that make sure you count every yellow rumped warbler because your, your sector will probably be the only sector that gets any yellow-rumped warblers. That's crazy. Which there were huge flocks of them all day long. Huh. And bo- and there are mixed flocks of warblers, so mixed flocks of yellow-rumps. So there's myrtles and Audubons mm. together hanging out, just doing their thing. So well, that's confusing. I don't know. But, but uh, Audubon only counts because it's subspecies. They don't even care about that. So it's yeah. just yellow-rump across the board. 
So from there, got back to the car, headed, headed back inland a little bit, and went to what they call parking lot A. And there's a trail that goes from there all the way back to the campsites and then back. So I, I took that trail. I, I was like, oh, what's the other longest trail I can take? I'll go walk that. So... So I did. That was that was about another two more miles. I don't think I've ever been in parking lot A. I've that's the first time I've ever done parking lot A. I've been in parking first, lot B. I've I've never done parking lot A, and I've never done that trail before. That hmm. bay that that bay trail. I've never yeah. walked that trail before. So that that was interesting to see what's there. Um, it was long. There was tons of sparrows. But see the the thing that I was hoping in there was rentits. That's I was really expecting to find rentits there because yeah. the habitat's really good for them, and then crossbills because there was a bunch of different spots like it was, it was two miles so there's broken up spots there was a bunch of spots that crossbills would have been perfect for mm-hmm. no crossbills rented bunch of spots no rented huh. very i'm That's very disappointed bad. about those and then when i got back to the forest i was hermit thrush i'm like oh i'm gonna get some hermit thrush here nothing <laughs> so the three species so you dipped on like everything you wanted the three species like there are things that i've seen there before and i i know there are things that you see there like yeah and there were expected species, but I missed all three of my, the top species that I would expect. I don't think... Snowy plover was... The, so there was four total species that were like the top expected species. Mm-hmm. And it was snowy plover, crossbills, wren tits, and hermit thrush. And I missed three out of four. So, and yellow rump. Well, yeah, and yellow rump. Yeah, I guess that's it. Yeah. So, But it, I was... I was kind of disappointed. By the end of the day, I was I kind of had to like go go back to, to Mike's house, the, the compiler. Tail between your legs. Tail between my legs. Like, oh, I it okay like <laughs> not much at the jetty either because the sea watch was pretty miserable i couldn't see much geez eric why did we even place you on that i, I know pretty much <laughs> basically i'm just terrible just whatever just send me home when i come out <laughs> we don't even need you you just go home whatever but um but, when eric offers the help just say no <laughs> just say no but we have enough <laughs> we have enough that's a we don't we don't need any more harm <laughs> there's 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 enough going on with bird lives so you don't we don't need you just just go have some coffee and sit down. Maybe you should work on fish from now on. <laughs> but so I kept trying though. I was I was still working. So so I went back out to the. You gotta give you that. I know. I didn't give up. I I, th- I think a total I walked over nine miles through the day. <laughs> so it was it was a long walk. But um, I went out to the jetty again. I was like, I gotta hit this jetty because it had cleared up by the afternoon. I'm, I'm looking. We're looking at two o'clock now or so. Yeah. So it was like a little bit clearer. So I spent I spent about an hour out of the jetty, like hoping, and I had I think probably nine loons total. Wow! And they were all so far away. I was able to get IDs on a couple of them, mm-hmm. a, a couple Pacific, one common, and I couldn't get any red threaded loons. Like, but they're just so far away. Yeah. And then a bunch of surf scoters, which that was kind of exciting. I had like twelve surf scoters. Oh man! Not very many. <laughs> like th- th- those are all really low numbers for what I would be hoping for but that's the surf was crazy it was coming over the jetty every like in the morning a couple waves at a time would come over the jetty but in the afternoon when i was there every single wave came over the jetty it was just standing up i couldn't stand on the face of the tower i had to stand back because the because the water was splashing the tower so bad like i was getting too wet i had to stay (laughs) i had to stay back on the back of the tower to watch stuff so it was it was wet it was (laughs) It was it was intense waves though. It was pretty it was pretty cool to watch. And there was a bunch of people that were from out of state, yeah, or people that had never seen the ocean before or something. I, I don't know. They were so excited about the waves. They were huh. they were just. I, I was talking to them for most of the time. Like I'm standing there watching, and they're like talking to the back of my head while I'm trying to see stuff. But I'm, <laughs> I'm busy. <laughs> I'm busy watching birds. 
But um, but they're like this they, why people don't like birders. I know seriously, we're, we're always too distracted. But they they were like, oh, this is so amazing. Oh my gosh, this is awesome. And every single wave, another wave, I'm gonna be like, oh, did you see that one? It's like, yeah, I got wet. I saw it. <laughs> but, yeah, it happens like every two minutes. I know, seriously, but but it's it, but it is really cool if you've never yeah. if you've never seen the waves, especially when the waves are cool, like they're like exciting like that. It's really cool to watch. Yeah. So yeah, that's one of our favorite things in the winter here is just to watch waves. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. So all in all, I. I did okay. I got 53 species, which, it's like I said, it's it's okay. It's Fort Stevens, though. It's like the number, one of the number one hotspots in the county. Yeah. Like, it, I should have done better. But but I think... <laughs> Don't beat yourself up about it. But I, I think it was the weather. The, the weather had a lot to do with it. The The fog didn't clear till um, almost noon. It was mm-hmm. around 11.30 when the fog finally cleared. And it was still cold. And then, actually, so it cleared, and then it came back at about 2 o'clock. We got we got fog coming back in, so while I was up doing the sea watch, fog started coming in from the other side. So I that's basic that was basically my cue to leave, <laughs> is I've been up here long enough, the fog's coming back. So yeah, I, yeah. So um, fifty three species for my sector, and then they had a total of one hundred twenty eight species, tentatively for the whole count. Mm-hmm. So fifteen mile circle. They ended up getting all the rarities, which are popping up in the county right now, which is good. That's good. Um, the sparrows. The, the different sparrows that are popping up. We have a Harris's sparrow, a clay-colored sparrow, a grasshopper sparrow that are all kind of really rare for this area. And they they were able to get them all on count day. Nice. So that was good. And Northern Mockingbird, they got that for the oh. count day. Yeah. <laughs> so they things that aren't normally here, they're able to get them. So that's, yeah. that's exciting. Um, but yeah, so I, I, had a, I, had, I, had, I had a good day. It was fun. Not very birdie, but it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of hiking. The shoulders are still sore from the camera and the scope. I cleaned five. I don't know. And then I left one because I was too lazy. <laughs> you were too tired. And we... I felt like I was busy all day, too. Uh, that's that's the way it is when you're here by yourself. Oh, my gosh. It was like everybody wanted to talk and then clean <laughs> and, yeah, answer the phone. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry. No. <laughs> we both had busy. I'm just saying we both have full lives. We both have full lives. <laughs> we have a lot to do. So, um, so that's CBCs. So, nice. so go out and participate go, in go one. Go out and get, get some birds counted. Count and the birds. Take some selfies. Take some CBC selfies. I want to see CBC yeah. selfies, Seriously. which is hard to say. CBC on, selfie. Yeah. We're going <laughs> to post that on someday and be like, post your CBC selfie. So have it ready. Yeah. Have it ready already. Yeah. Already, so we want to already. see your face. <laughs> um, so those are some things that happened this year. And then we also want to do a little wrap up about us for the year because we know you guys care so much. Or if you don't, you could just turn it off here. It's still, it, it <laughs> won't hurt. Just pause it for feelings. like, or just mute it for like five minutes because we have something else you might want to hear yeah. later. Um, not really. <laughs> so this year we launched our website, which we threatened to do the year before, but we finally did it this year. Yeah. Um, we have done 28 episodes so far. Yeah. This is number 28 for the year? I think right? so. Yeah, I think so. If I did the math right, yeah. If I did the counting right. You counted it right. Um, we Out of those 28 episodes, we did 11 interviews with people. Yeah. And we traveled around uh, around the country a little bit. We went to Florida. We traveled around the Pacific Northwest here. Um, we ended up down in Texas, on the Texas coast for a little bit. Um, the Rio Grande Valley, California. And then uh, we also went to Costa Rica and through Scandinavia, which you guys shared all of that with us. Yeah, I think we've shared all of these travels with 
you guys as listeners. I think so. Um, we've had some really wonderful experiences, saw amazing birds. I wish I would have counted how many lifers we've gotten this year. That would be a good, that would be a good metric to, to say. Do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so we we saw some amazing birds, went to amazing places, met some of our amazing fans, you all, mm -hmm. and many many other birders, which is always so much fun to to share a hobby that you love so much with other people who love it too. Yeah, definitely. So thank you all. We hope you have a fantastic um, holiday season and New Year's, and we look forward to sharing more with you in twenty twenty. Yeah, coming up real soon, couple yeah. days. A couple days into 2020. Oh my gosh, I'm going to have to <laughs> rewrite so many 2019s. I know, seriously. <laughs> so um, so coming up for us, um, like right now when you guys are listening to this, we are down in San Diego. Ah, warmth. We're, we're, not, we're not there right now. 65 but degrees. But when you guys hear this, we will be. Yeah. Um, we're going to be doing uh, a couple days in San Diego, a couple days in Disneyland while yeah, we're down there. Get, Disneyland. Doing some birding and then getting to do some Disneying. Yeah. <laughs> And then uh, in February, we're going to the San Diego Bird Festival. So we're going to be guiding there and doing a little bit of speaking, um, biking and birding, and then a few workshops. Yeah. And then we just recently added on as well the Pacific City Birding and Blues Festival, and that's in April. I mm -hmm. want to say April 17th through the 19th. Yeah. So that's not too far from us down here on the coast. So it's uh, down, down south of us, what, two hours maybe and yeah. this is a festival we've never been to but we've always wanted to go so we're excited to participate in that one yeah, birding and blues yep how can you go wrong <laughs> and then in may um our big crazy birding trip so we are going to be speaking and participating in the indiana dunes birding festival and we're also looking to combine that with the biggest week in birding and uh do some great texas birding classic events so That'll be like yeah, two so crazy flying, weeks. Flying to Texas, then up to Ohio, and then... Well, into Chicago. Into Chicago, and then just up driving there. over to Ohio and Indiana. Yeah, yeah. A, lot, a lot of work. And then <laughs> uh, depending on whether I buy the tickets tonight or not, mm -hmm. uh, we'll be going to Bird Fair in London yes. in August. Maybe. So yes. We'll see. That's still kind of on the docket. <laughs> So uh, we're looking to share all of this amazing stuff with you guys in the future, and we hope to meet you, and we've enjoyed doing this so much. It's been about a year and a half that we've been doing this podcast, yeah. and it's been so much fun to interact with you and uh, learn more about birding and different places to go. So yeah, thank that's, you that's all. Yeah, that's definitely fun. <laughs> Learning different places to go from everyone that has th suggestions for us. Oh my gosh, yeah. Keep them rolling in. Yeah, seriously. And we appreciate it so much, and we appreciate that you listen and, and share with us. Yeah, and thank you guys all for listening. Like, yes. Listening to this podcast, listening <laughs> to all of our other episodes of our podcast. Um, we hope you guys enjoyed it and or learned something new. Um, please rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Music. Podchaser. Podchaser. Um, any of the any places. Any of the have, other ones. Any of the places. You can um, write us some reviews on Facebook. We read those. Uh, send us just anything. Um, and don't forget, ask Hannah and Eric. Oh, yeah. We'll or, send you a sticker. We'll send you, you a sticker that. if you send us a question. We haven't had a question for a while. I know. Yeah. I've been said, thinking about making up questions. Just making up questions and yeah. pretending to send <laughs> out stickers. Yes. Susan from yes. <laughs> Georgia sent us this question. <laughs> yeah. So um, so you can send us questions on any of our mediums. Um, you can follow us on Instagram at Hannah Goes Birding and 
Eric Goes Birding. Hannah with an H and Eric with a K. Yeah, and you can also follow us on our Facebook page, Hannah and Eric Go Birding, or email us at hannahandericgobirding at gmail.com. Tell us what you hated, tell us what you liked, but most importantly, share us with everyone you know. Everyone. Everyone. Oh, anyone that wants to listen to us. Oh, I mean, anyone that wants to listen to us at least once. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta try everything once. Yeah, you gotta try it once.